Today's New Year's Eve edition of the Grind Hours podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, it's bowl season. Who wouldn't want to go to the San Diego County Federal Credit Union Bowl tomorrow, or actually tonight? Yeah, tonight. tonight. And I believe somewhere in the state of California. Yes, that's an actual bowl game. We're not pulling your leg. But if you want to go to that bowl game or any of the New Year's Six or the hockey game on New Year's, I forget the name. The I forget the name of that bowl right now. Or the Winter the, Classic. the Winter Classic. If you want to go to the Winter Classic in Notre Dame Stadium tomorrow, use my code Grind Hour to get twenty. Chicago and it's St. The Louis, Bo- right? Blackhawks and Bruins hmm. tomorrow. So, if you want to get into any of the New Year's festivities, sporting events. Use my code GRINDHOUR if you want to treat your so, treat someone to a late Christmas, late Hanukkah, early Kwanzaa, happy New Year gift that's not sport-related. Use my code GRINDHOUR at checkout. It's one word. You get $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right. Ending out 2018 on a... Sort of somber note, sort of exciting note. Yeah, uh, somber. I mean, somber note for our local squad. <laughs> so, but it should be a pretty good playoff uh, for the NFL. But this is the last week of wrapping up for 2018. The 2018 season after today will be wrapped up and all done with, and we will enter the playoffs. And this will probably be the last wrapping up podcast of, of the year. It's. Again. I mean, it's it's it is the last day of the year, so it's impossible <laughs> for it to be another one. <laughs> but we're gonna end 2018 with a bang, and we'll just start it off on the somber note and get as anticipatory and happy as we end the podcast and go into the new year. Sound good? Sure. <laughs> so, if you want, listen. If you want to talk about the Jets at all, feel free. I'm not talking about the Giants. What is there to even say anymore? All right, I was going to start with the Jets, but I'll talk all of you Giant fans off a ledge real quick. Everyone's saying that this is completely done and we have nothing to build on. Can you stop? You got Odell. You have Saquon. Evan Ingram, for whatever reason, he doesn't play until about week 14. Yeah, then he shows up. He shows up in week 14 and just smokes everybody. I mean, listen, there's definitely stuff to build on. I'm not saying there isn't. I know some people are. I'm not saying there isn't, but there is a lot of work to be done. And this was a completely lost season that could have been used toward... Because now you're looking at... Because you're not going to compete next year. Do we know that? I mean, what can you do? You're going to... You have to overhaul the uh, the defensive front and the offensive line. You're, I don't think you're able to do that in one off season. You can if you you can, you, you, can if you, you can if you think Eli is your quarterback for at least one maybe two more years. That uh, has to be set in stone. You I have to say Eli. Know. Well, just as an organization, you have to say okay, Eli's our guy for mm-hmm. 2019 and possibly 2020. Mm-hmm. And you have to get everybody on that roster to buy into Eli. No more talk about the future QB. No more talk about well. What's life after Eli? Hell, Eli took a picture on the field with his family because it might have been the last time he took he that's stepped the, on the see. That's the thing, though. The I don't know the if Giants. I don't. I think it's too far gone at this point. I really. I feel. I, I love that I'm talking about the Giants now. After I, just <laughs> I think it's too far gone at this point. I really do. I, I don't know if there's a way that you can bring everybody back onto the Eli ship in the lock because it's been such mixed signals for the past two years about. Do we stay with Eli? Do we move on? Do we? St- it's like he loves me, he loves me not. With a fucking, you got your Daisy in the backyard and you're playing the game. It's it's it's. Do we keep? We keep him. We keep him not. We keep him. We keep every week. It seems like it changes what the plan is going to be moving forward. And I think it's. I think you've gotten so much mixed signals to the players at this point that it's going to be near impossible to have them buy into, especially after the disappointment of this year. I think it's near impossible for, for to get them to buy into we're going to compete now. And here's the thing, here's the other thing. If you if they go for it again next year and fail, 
Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer are gone. I don't. And I don't think so. We're starting again. I think because that at that point, then it's okay. You had your second chance to to it, you had your second chance. You you swung and missed. You got your second chance to right the ship, and you swung and missed again. You did the same thing over again. Swung and missed again. You kind of have to move on at that point. Here's what I think with this Giants team. There are there is bits and pieces throughout this entire year where I look at that team and go. That's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Me too. But there's also points in time where I go, what in the hell are they doing? And yeah. I think that's just a roster which was completely overhauled from last year who just got a star-studded all-pro running back mm-hmm. and a new head coach. It's the Let's not forget that. It's the first year of a new head coach. Usually there's a lot of touch-feel grace period going around. And... It didn't really look like the Giants had an identity until about week eight, which yeah. is usually the case for a first-year head coach. They don't really find their footing through the first quarter of the season, and then right when we get to the midway point, they actually look like a cohesive unit, and it was right after that by the Giants were clicking. Whatever Gettleman was preaching in that locker room, they finally bought in after the bye week. That is true. So I, wouldn't, I really wouldn't give up. Now, I'm not saying... They can go win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think that. But I think they can be a playoff team if they draft right. And have, if they you do, have to, you have to hit on a lot of draft. Well, it, that, has to be, it has to be a 2007 caliber draft. Where they have to hit on a hit couple of draft one, picks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All seven picks are studs. And they, well, they have to hit on a couple of draft picks. Yeah. I'm not saying all seven, but a couple. And At least five. I would say at least you have you have to hit a home run on it if you want to compete next year. If you want to have any chance at competing next year, because free agency is not going to do it. We've seen that time and time again. If you want, if this team wants to have any shot at competing next year, it needs to hit a home run on at least five of its seven draft picks. And then you have to do Which well in free doable. agency. It is let's, doable. Let's talk but about how infrastructure here. How many times do you but that's what I'm saying. It is possible. It is theoretically possible. But how many times do you hit on hit a home run on five out of seven draft picks? Like the Saints did it like two years ago. We're talking and about a guy the Giants who did it in two thousand seven and that's pretty Super much Bowl it. two years ago. He drafted a Super Bowl caliber team in Carolina and most of the guys that he drafted are still there, and they're producing for Carolina. Yeah, they they I fell off that, a cliff in the second half. I, I know that, but I he know that. actually put a Super Bowl contender together. I do realize that, but did he hit on five of seven of those guys in any individual year? I don't think so. I would have to go back and look, but he at least he, I mean, put he, a Super Bowl hit. contender to team together I, within the last five years. You have an offensive coordinator who went to the NFC Championship game right. a year ago. But it took and a you long- have a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, I know, but it took a long time to do all that. Like you, your, your Gettleman example. I mean, yeah, he hit on Cam Newton. He hit on um, McCaffrey. He, he drafted hit, McCaffrey. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, he didn't. Um, but he hit on Cam Newton. He hit on Luke Keekley. He hit on these guys, but that was over a, a multi-year period. He took over with the Cam Newton administration. They weren't a Super Bowl contender for five years, so it's not like he. I'm got just in, saying there it's not like he got in on 2011 and instantly drafted a Super Bowl team. I mean, they were they were terrible for a couple of years. I'm they were just, six and ten Cam Newton's first year. And then they were seven and nine the year after, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm commenters. I'm just saying here, there are pieces here, and they have the cap room. Now, the one thing that they have to do is they have to sign a Case Keenum type. They have to get that bridge quarterback mm-hmm. in a two to three year on a two to three year contract to say. In case we were completely wrong about Eli and he doesn't have it anymore and he just, last year, he showed bits and pieces of being mm-hmm. his old self, but he's, he's done. Yeah. Then you can go, okay, we'll turn to this guy. Here's they, the, they can't not have that backup option at quarterback doing this. That yeah. has to be number one. But if they draft right and are smart with their money, they're a playoff team next year. It's possible. I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible. <laughs> I'm saying it's very, very unlikely. And it's... Ultimately, I don't know if it's something I would want. 
I gotta be honest. I think you'd be stupid if, if you don't want if, that. Listen, if you would I would I take a playoff team next year if it meant that would I would I take a losing season next year if it meant that I get a nice young quarterback in the next draft, which is gonna be quarterback rich, and it leads to a Super Bowl five years down the line after that, I would take that deal. Because what's going to happen if they go to the playoffs, realistically? Because they're not going to win the Super Bowl. So what's going to happen? You go to the playoffs, and then you you keep spinning your wheels for a few more years. I don't know. I, I think that this is possible. Now, Gettleman has to put on his GM cap and be a smart executive here. Mm-hmm. But I there are pieces in place on this offense that are young and can just tear up the league on any given Sunday that I think you'd be stupid not to look at your organization and go we can win here's what i here's what i would want them to do worry about fixing the offensive line this offseason get a bunch of young talented offensive linemen and use this and a bridge quarterback and use this season to help that offensive lineman grow as a group and then in the next draft don't worry about the season statistics just say Listen, Gettleman, Shermer, we're going to give you time to put this team together. Just worry about fixing the offensive line and getting the defense all set and getting this bridge quarterback in there if need be. Just worry about that. Focus priority one, getting this offensive line cohesion. Worry about that all next year. Maybe you go 5-11 and 11 again. Maybe you go 6-10. and 10. Maybe you go 7-9. and nine. Whatever the case may be. And then in the coming draft... I think Tua Tagovailoa is out of play because he's probably going to be the first one off the board. But go after someone like Jake Fromm. That's what I would want. And that's a direction that this team could go. I just... Either way, I think is a win. I don't think you lose if you go... If you look at this roster and say, we have Odell, we have Ingram, we have Saquon. We have a couple of pieces on the, on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Let's try to be smart with our money, draft really well, and, and go for it again. Mm-hmm. And that's not and, and still put in, you know, plan B, plan C, and plan D with the, the next quarterback. Because Foles is going to be on the market. Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be on the market. Mm-hmm. Why not? Teddy Br- Bridgewater didn't look too great in his Saints debut against the, the Panthers yesterday. So... They might want to go in a different direction in New Orleans. Who mm-hmm. the hell knows? They still have Taysom Hill. Yeah. Who? But, no, I, I don't think either option, and people have been debating this for the, the entire year, I don't think either option is a bad one if, in fact... Now, if you go for it and you completely fail, I'm with you. That it was, that's, that's what I'm worried about. But you have to... You can't just sit here in the middle road and go, well, I don't know which way... I don't... You can't dabble both feet in both puddles. you got to choose one and go all that's, in. That's what I'm... In, in my scenario, I'm choosing one. All I'm right. choosing the rebuild. That's hard to sell to the Mara family. That's all I'm saying. Moving to the Jets. My, my, my glorious Jets. I will not <laughs> be watching my Jets next year. The man who shall be named nameless, Mike McCagden, is still the head man in the front office for the Jets. He's still the Jets general manager. Which means I will stay true to my promise and I will not watch any New York Jet football next year. <laughs> now looking at the uh, schedule... I wonder how Nick, long it's going to take for that promise to break. I'm putting over in, under on five weeks. I'm putting in one caveat: if the Jets all of a sudden become this playoff, this barn burner playoff team, mm-hmm. all bets are off. I'm turning on the game and I'm watching it, and I'm turning it on, and I'm forgetting that I've even said any of this. Like it never <laughs> even happened. But looking at next year's schedule, we look like the same team. Just right. on paper right now, with the schedule that we have, we're probably going to have four about around four wins, maybe five. Maybe. We might get be one win better. But Todd Bowles is gone. That was a given. He yeah. was fired last night. Probably didn't get on the, the plane ride back to, uh, to New York. But I don't know how you could still, Chris Johnson, sit here and say, yeah, Mike McCagden's a good talent evaluator. 
He actually said that. Other than two picks, Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold, which yeah. when you looked at the draft and board. Marcus May. And, and Marcus, May. Marcus May. Okay, so I'll give him one. He, he found one player. May was He good. found one player outside of the first round. Well, not even that. There are first-round draft picks that have been busts, that have been in the lottery busts. Darren Lee. Well, I don't. I like Darren Lee. I'm not. He's probably gone. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold. That I'm not sold on. Um, I'm not selling my stock on Darren Lee just yet. I, okay. I like. I like Darren Lee. But, but the point is, he's not a he's good not, talent. He's evaluator. not a good talent evaluator. Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold were can't miss. Those good, guys were top five anyway. A good talent evaluator would not have picked Christian Hackenberg in the, in the second, second round. round. Right when when everyone else, everybody said, else thought he was a. Four fifth round right. best. And I mean, just look at some of the guys that, that he drafted. Sharon Peak, mm-hmm. Hackenberg, Ardarius Stewart. Yep. Devin Smith. Devin De- oh my god, Devin Smith. Um Henson from uh from Clemson. Yeah. Leggett, who has been god awful when he's touched the ball mm-hmm. in his playing career. He's drafting guys that aren't impact players. Yeah. Dylan Donahue, the linebacker, I remember him only because his name reminded me of our friend and our old math teacher, and oh, um, science teacher, and uh, he never even made the roster. No, he's drafting guys who, yeah, can make a 50-man ra- roster, but what has Sharon Peak done in his time? Our Darius Stewart had like five catches last year. Bryce Petty. Who I went, who I just went to hell for. He wasn't that great either. He drafted him. What has he done as a talent evaluator in the draft to say, yeah, he's the guy that we want to move forward with in this rebuild? He I hasn't done anything it. in his three. He's found one player, Marcus May. Marcus May looks like a Pro Bowl safety if he could stay on the field. Mm-hmm. That was his find. He found him. He but found him. Everyone man. knew Jamal Adams was right. really good. Everyone knew Sam Darnold. Sam was Darnold was the first pick in the draft for majority of the year last year. Now, the Browns look like they made the right pick with Baker. Yeah. But Darnold looks like a, a great pro, too. Was Leonard Williams his? Uh, yes. Another I th- guy that you I think was that, a can't-miss guy. But he hasn't played that well in, in the past yeah. two years. But, I mean, yeah, you're right, actually. But... I, I think Leonard Williams was McCagden's first pick as a member of the Jets as the general manager, but he hasn't found anybody. He hasn't been a good talent evaluator. He's hit on two guys. He's hit on three guys. One guy who he found, and look at his free agent signings: Tremaine Johnson. Not he quit on good. the team. Yeah. In the in the final week of of a of a, tr- uh, of a giveaway season, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. Who were great for one year, but they crapped. That was their last good year in the NFL. Yep. Gave a crap ton of money to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh McCown. Mm-hmm. And then, and and you look at like the undrafted guys that he's brought in. Really, the only two have hit that have hit are Robbie Anderson and I. Um, no, that's it because Isaiah Crowell was with the Browns right. first. So really, just Robbie Anderson, and we can't even say that he's a star. He's just a good role player on a good on on a crappy team. Yeah, he, he's a he's he would be a nice second receiver on a good team. He might he, he might be a third receiver. Yeah, actually, yeah. He wouldn't be a second receiver on any of these playoff teams. Maybe, maybe Indy. Maybe. But that's only because they're so depleted at right. the receiver position. So I don't. I just I can't sit here and say that I'm comfortable with watching the Jets if this man's going to be determining what. Who, first, who our head coach is going to be. Mm-hmm. And second, what the players in the field are going to look like. No, I can't blame you for that and, at all. And Chris Johnson said, the new head coach is going to report to me. Well, <coughs> what the fuck is the point of having Mike McCagden as the general manager? I don't The understand. head coach is going to report to the owner. Well, what are we doing it's, it's here? It's the same thing as him with Bowles. Because the, the Bowles and McCagden situation was the same thing. They both reported to Woody and then to Chris. So it's the same thing over again. I, I just... I can't. I can't find myself. I can't find it in me to to, to watch this team anymore. And I, I love the Jets. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. One of the best days of my life will be a Jets Super Bowl day. But 
that's far on the horizon, and it's definitely not with Mike McCagden at the helm, and it might not be with the Johnson family as the owners of the Jets. Mm. I'll still watch if, if Woody and Chris are the owners, but I'm, I swear to this, I will not watch if McCagden's the GM. Unless something drastic changes. Right, unless we strike gold and we find seven Hall of Famers and draft 18 Hall of or sign 18 Hall of Famers off of the scrap heap and we all of a sudden become the Super Bowl contender, then sure. But that's not the case here. And I'm, the only thing that I will watch that is NFL related with the Jets, specifically Jets, is the draft. I will watch the draft to see who I will have to watch after McCagden's career as the Jets general manager is inevitably over. Because mm-hmm. I don't think, if the Jets tank next year, he's gone. I don't think you can go five straight years with a guy who has shown that he can't do anything but put together a lottery team. I agree. And if that were to happen, then what are you going to do with the coach? Are you going to fire the coach after one year? Yeah, who, this is a whole thing. You have an opportunity it's to this, restart. It's the same thing. It's the Rex Ryan and John Idzik thing yeah. in reverse. That's literally what it is. It's the same thing. It's deja vu all over again. <laughs> Just fire McCagnon, start over, and if it doesn't work, you can find nothing. It's very hard to fire a co- fire a coach, keep the GM, and then if the GM does bad the next year, and you fire him, if the, that coach is hung up to dry, yeah. And, and it's, you it's have not because and I, the I, thing here with, with why I'm so upset mm-hmm. is you drafted Sam Darnold. Yeah. If you give him three head coaches in his first four years or whatever it is, what's that going to do for him? And here's the thing, because I know people are going to make this comparison, or at least I don't know, but I think people will make this comparison. I don't know if we have a comment section. (laughs) I bet people, if this was on YouTube, I know people would be making this comparison. Well, the Rams fired Jeff Fisher but kept Les Snead and Jared Goff, and it worked out fine for them. Les Snead was never the problem in St. Louis and then Los Angeles. Les Snead picked up good players. Jeff Fisher was just a terrible coach who couldn't do anything with them. That's not the case with the Jets. McCagnon is part of the problem. I, yeah, he's he's. I would argue the main source of the problem. I think Bowles. I don't think Bowles was a particularly barn burner coach. Can't miss coach. But I think he. I I think he's much less culpable for this mess than Mike McCagnon is. There's some I, things that's inexcusable from Bowles' standpoint, but. I definitely think Todd Bowles is going to have a job, maybe not as a head coach, but definitely as a defensive coordinator somewhere in the NFL next year. I agree. I would welcome him with open arms onto the Giants as defensive coordinator if we didn't already have a solid option. But no, I'll just leave it here. I I hope things turn around, but Mike McCagden, I really want to know what what this is going to be like if, if, in fact, I'm right about our uh, uh, 2019 schedule and we only win four or five games, mm-hmm. I wonder what my life's going to be like not watching a, a full year of Jets football. Hey, plenty of time to catch <laughs> up on uh, other TV shows or movies or all kinds of things out there. I'll probably just watch a shit ton of Red Zone and Giant football. That's probably <laughs> what I'll do. But moving to... The playoff picture. Wild card weekend is next weekend. Yep. And the Colts just played their way in on Sunday Night Football. It was a great game. Yep. It was a wacky, weird first half. And, I mean, anybody who thought Blaine Gabbert was going to beat Andrew Luck, you're crazy. It's Blaine Gabbert, for God's sakes. But good for the Colts, good for Andrew Luck, Frank Reich. And are we, uh, are we going to take note of the fact that Blaine Gabbert looks like an insurance salesman now? Yeah, he looks like a progressive agent. Yeah. Like, he looks like a knockoff of he's already, Jamie from, from Progressive. He's already started prepping for his second career <laughs> once this, once his fifth chance at the NFL stops working out. But going over the... Teams on Wild Card Weekend. They are Colts, Houston, mm-hmm. Packer or Packers, uh, Seahawks, Cowboys. Yep. 
Um, Eagles, Bears. Yep. And I'm forgetting the other AFC uh, Chargers, matchup. Char- Chargers and... Uh, uh, Chargers, Ravens. Chargers, Ravens, yeah. Out of those six teams uh, from each division, so those 12 teams, uh, or eight teams, eight excuse teams, me. Yeah. Out of those eight teams, which one? Which one's going to the Super Bowl or has the best chance of going to the Super Bowl? I think it's easy, the Chargers. I've said um, for the last couple of weeks here that I think the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. And to me, this just sets them up with a relatively easy road because they're going to their first round matchup is against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson has been very impressive. He's been a, a great running quarterback. He's definitely taken to the program a, a lot faster than I thought he would. I thought it would take you know a couple of years, two or three years, to get him really situated. But he's been great. But this is where the gravy train ends. I mean, Joe, Joey Bosa is going to be all over him like white on rice. <laughs> Phillip Rivers is going to torch that average Ravens secondary. I, I don't see how they don't lose. They're a full two games better in the standings. They played in a tougher, much tougher division. I think the Chargers are going to win that game. And then their next game presumably would be against the Patriots. Yep. Which we've talked about. They're not the same team that they always are. They're starting to show some cracks. They're starting to fall apart just a little bit. I love how everybody's like, oh, the Patriots are fixed after they played the Jets. Yep. They played the Jets. They murdered the Jets. They, yep. they were on cruise control the entire time. Yep. That's not like, come on. Yeah, and I, and they're going to go up against a team that is better than them, I feel. And I think the tra- I think the Chargers will go to at least the AFC Championship game and we'll think, we'll see what happens from there on out. I think it's weirdly enough, and this might be recency bias, but it's the Colts. I want to say it's the Bears, but I can't. I can't bring it. I I don't have the cojones to say the Bears because of Mitchell Trubisky. Right. I, I he is awful. He's got. Yeah. He is maybe twenty percent better than Blake Bortles. Yeah. I honestly think what the if, Bears are and what the Jaguars were last year are almost identical. In terms yeah, of yeah, I mean, because they're and I've been saying that all year. A, it's a it's a below average quarterback who gets by on a great running game and a ferocious defense. Now Khalil Mack is better than anybody on the Jaguars defense and will be for a very long period of time. Khalil Mack is the MVP. I, I agree mean, as well. Yeah, there's no <laughs> there's no debate. In no, he mind. he took a borderline uh, lottery team and took him to the playoffs. Yeah. But it's the Colts. This Colts defense is not great, but pretty damn good. And I think it's good enough to go on the road and beat Houston. I, I don't think Houston's that great. Mm-hmm. They have a... They're both 10-6, and six, right? Correct me. Uh, yes, I believe okay. so. And they won in each other's buildings. So if you're going by that, then the Colts have a, a little bit of an upper hand. They basically played a playoff game in their final game mm-hmm. um, against... The Titans last night, and they're they going in hot. And they have Andrew Luck. Yep. If you're going to give me quarterback by quarterback comparison and head coach the head coach comparison, I'm taking the Colts by a smidgen. I think Luck is that much better than Deshaun Watson, even though even though Deshaun Watson is awesome mm-hmm. and he's great. Yep. But I I still don't believe in Bill O'Brien, and I like Frank Reich. Yeah. He's weird. Yeah, he's a good coach. He goes for it on fourth day. He's kind of like Mike Tomlin and a poor man's Frank Wright or uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean. He's got that like stoic, um, I'm not going to say anything, but still the Tomlin. Let's go for it. Yeah, the poker face. Yeah. Poker face, Gene. If the Bears win a Super Bowl. Right. If the Bears win. I want to stress if as much as possible. If the Bears win a Super Bowl. Does Mitchell Trubisky supplant Trent Dilfer as the worst quarterback to win a title? No. Trent Dilfer still worse? Yes. Okay. If you put Trent Dilfer on any of the... If you put him on the Bears, if you put him on the Jaguars last year, if you put him on the the 15 Broncos, they're (laughs) nowhere near a playoff team. Nowhere near. 
And the only thing with Trubisky is it's Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is a great play caller. And maybe uh, Biemi, the new offensive coordinator for the Chiefs who was looking at the, the Jets head coaching job, mm-hmm. maybe he's the same thing. I hope if the Jets get him. I hope he's that way. But I like Nagy. That's why I like the Bears. I love their defense. I just hate Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's look at Andrew Luck. He's been a Super Bowl contending quarterback since he stepped out off of uh, Stanford's campus. Yep. He's been a sure he's, thing since he's been in college. He's arguably, in terms of pure talent, he's arguably the best in the NFL. Yeah, it's Mahomes. As much as I hate to, you know, pump that air balloon fuller, it's it's Mahomes. But you could argue Andrew Luck. Well, yeah, you could argue he's top ten, top five as far as talent wise, mm-hmm. and he looks gr- he looks really good for for a guy who couldn't throw a football last year. Mm-hmm. That one rollout to Inman, where he threw an absolute BB. Yeah. I mean, God damn. He, that, he's, he looks like he's completely that was, healed. That was Russell Wilson and Mahomes combined with mm-hmm. the pure the ballerina move to escape the pocket and the rifle to the back of the end zone. I don't know. And they got an easy schedule. They really do. Yeah. They have the Texans. Then they would have to play the Chiefs. Which the Chiefs can't stop anybody. Yeah. So if you got into shootout with the Chiefs, right? I would, and we've seen the Chiefs lose on their home field before. Mm-hmm. And it's Andy Reid in the playoffs. Yep. And wow. we we so, know the Mahomes prime time formula. Just keep them keep them on the sidelines, sipping Gatorade, and and you're fine. So, uh, if we're to be believed, if if the Grind Hours podcast is to be believed, we're looking at um a an AFC championship game in the StubHub Center. <laughs> oh God! Of Chargers versus Colts. Oh my! That would be the that do would you think that you, would be the worst televised football game in the history think, of the. Do NFL. you think if that happened, if it got to that point, there is any chance that the NFL would flex the game to San Diego? <laughs> I think they would flex the game to the Coliseum before they would flex the game back to San Diego. <laughs> but oh my God, that would be ninety-five percent. Ch- Colts fans, they would, yeah, there would. Oh my goodness! Because I don't think they. I, I think they would flex it anywhere else. They, 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 they that would, game would be played in the Coliseum. There, there's no way an AFC Championship right. game is going to be played in the StubHub Center. Yeah, thirty thousand people, which is a soccer stadium. Colts fans. Continuing this train of playoff teams of the four teams that have a bye: Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, Rams. Mm-hmm. Who is the weakest team? I'm tempted to say the Chiefs because it's Andy Reid in the playoffs, like we just talked about. But I really think that that game with the Colts could go either way. Just because it's going to be a shootout. Right. And it's going to be in Arrowhead. So that's they've got the home field advantage. So I think it could go either way. I kind of am leaning towards your pick that the Colts would win, but I'm, I think it could go either way. So I'm going to say the Patriots, just because we. I mean, and I'm not going to go into depth on it because we've talked about it in past episodes. There's cracks in the foundation. Tom Brady is starting to show age. All of that stuff. I think that they have because I think the Rams and Saints should have no problem, really getting to the. Um, the NFC championship game. So for me, it has to be one of the two AFC teams and the Patriots look worse than the Chiefs right now. The um, Patriots, I mean, they kind of backed into the second seed. It didn't look like they were going to get there. I'm, I'm picking them. I'm going Chiefs just because I, I will never pick against Belichick and, and Brady in the playoffs. Ever. Mm. Brady could be on one leg <laughs> and his... Right arm could be hyperextended, but I'm still going. I'm still picking the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl because they're the Patriots. That's true. They've done a lot better with a lot worse. Yeah. So I don't think they're the weakest team. I do think they are weaker than they are. They have been in past years. Yeah. I don't think they're the weakest team in the playoffs. I want. I, I don't know. No, they're the weakest by team. Yeah. 
I think it's still the Chiefs. I, I don't know how they're. I've said this before. They're the Oklahoma of the NFL. They're a yeah. pro-style Big Twelve team, and if we've seen anything, and it's as cliche as possible, defense wins championships. And yep. it, once they go up against a halfway decent defense, that will shift the time of possession a little bit in the favor of the opposition. The Chiefs are in trouble. They they have zero from a team that was a dominant defensive team a couple of years ago with a game manager at the helm under center mm-hmm. completely flipped the script yeah. completely there's, flipped the script there's d ford and then a bunch of scrubs on that defense justin hewson is a shell of himself and, and d ford is wasting his career away at, as an interior defender in kansas city and he's he's going to be triple teamed all game and so. it's andy reed what has andy reed showed you in his playoff career that he has any idea how to run a playoff game he did get to a super bowl in his defense, he did get to a Super Bowl and almost get to a second one with Donovan McNabb. I mean, he had McNabb, T.O., and Brian Dawkins on that team. That's true. So That's true. That'll take Those I'm three gonna, players will take you a long way in the prime of their careers. I guess, I guess we'll just transition into the, the college game. Mm-hmm. We are treated to... The rematch part four, although I still think it's part three. I don't count last year. That was a first-round matchup. Yeah, no, this is the rubber match. Yes. Yeah. Who do you got? Why? And if you don't know, it's Clemson, Alabama. Yeah. Stabo, Saban. Yeah, I mean, if, if you are living under a rock. Um, Steve, check this out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, – the. It's like what you said with Belichick. I mean, it's impossible to pick against Alabama at this point. I will pick against Alabama. You've okay. known me. I've made it perfectly I want you to go clear. First. I've made it perfectly clear throughout this entire uh, Clemson Alabama rivalry. Mm-hmm. I'm all. I'm bleeding orange. I am all in on Dabo and Clemson. This that defensive line is. It's ferocious. It's it might amazing. be the the best in college football history. There's every single one of those players could play in the NFL right now. Yeah. And I think two of them are freshmen. At least one of them is. No, I mean, no, they're all they're all upperclassmen, but there's two freshmen that rotate in on a regular basis. Yeah. But all the they're, they're nasty. Those yeah. two freshmen could play in the NFL right now. They're utter Xavier Henry they're and disgust- AJ something. They're disgusting. And they got sunshine at quarterback. Yep. The moon dog, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Who looks, my uncle said he, he looks like a surfer from California. Yeah. Which, he looks like he looks like he could be Matthew McConaughey's kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a path that I can see Clemson t- taking to beat Alabama. It's going to be tough, but I could see it happening. And it's uh, as follows. First of all, the, the defensive line has to play lights out. Which, I mean, which they're, can ca- happen. they're capable. I think in order for Clemson, I don't want to wish harm on anybody, of course. And I'm not endorse. I'm not Greg Williams, so I'm not endorsing putting <laughs> hits on anybody. But I think if Clemson is going to have any chance to win this game, they have to knock Tua out of the game. Well, here's the thing with Tua. It didn't, he looks pretty good for a guy who had... Ankle surgery a month ago. That's the thing, yeah. But, but if you we can don't get, know. We don't. We haven't if, seen him under a substantial amount of pressure. We don't know yeah, how that. And that's gonna, the thing. If you can get, up. if you can get him hurting, and you have, they have to put not chain, even that, just uncomfortable. Yeah, he can't be completely comfortable a month removed from ankle. No, surgery. No, he can't be. And you can put a lot of pressure on him. And if he gets, of course, I don't want him to get knocked out. But if he gets knocked out, and they have to then turn to Jalen Hurts. Oh boy, <laughs> we're looking at a completely different ball game, fellas. Um, that's the path that I can see Clemson taking to win. I think it could happen, but I don't think it's likely to happen simply because of how good Alabama's protection is. And I have I have the Tide winning a close one, as all of these games have been. Um, I, again, not counting last year because that one wasn't close. But not counting last year. They've all been close. I have Alabama winning a close one. I think it's going to be like 28-24. Okay. Pretty close right down to the wire. I don't have this game going 
over 20 points. I have 17-14 mm. Clemson. I, this is going to be as close and nitty-gritty as we've had in, in the past couple of years. And I really think that this is a defensive battle. Look, I like Tre- Trevor Lawrence. I love Tua. But these two defenses are... And if they have NFL elite talent, not just NFL elite talent on the defensive side. Alabama has the likely number two pick in the draft, Quinn and Williams. Clemson, all four of those defensive linemen are potential first round picks. They could be top 15. All four of those guys could be top 15. There's there's two of them at least that are going in the top 15. Cleveland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. So... How about this? How about this? Um, Trevor Lawrence to Hunter Renfro for the game-winning touchdown. Oh, that's that shades. That you're just. I'm a pseudo Clemson fan, so it, <laughs> what it means is I don't root for Clemson until about this time of year because Michigan never makes it this far. <laughs> so they become my team come playoff time, and I love that. I love that Deshaun Watson team that beat Alabama. I would love that, but I don't think it would. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a defensive stand. True to form, I think it's going to be a defensive stand. Whoever whoever wins the game is going to win the game on a four down last minute scramble, and it's going to be a defense, and they're going to walk it off that way. But I still give the the nod to Clemson. One because they absolutely eviscerated Notre Dame, so they're hot. They've got the players riled up and saying, "Okay, we can take on Alabama." Look how look how good we are. We just flattened an undefeated Notre Dame team. And look at what Alabama did. They had to go down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really, but down to the... Be, the they, first half was a joke, and then the second half, Oklahoma clawed Oklahoma back. Oklahoma started coming back, yeah. And I mean, I want to I just uh, ramble. It was a, it was a four-quarter steamrolling for Clemson. I, I do want to just ramble about the playoffs for one second. All of 18? these people... No. We can get to that in another episode. <laughs> All of these people that are coming out of the woodwork now saying, Oh, Notre Dame should never have been, Oklahoma should never have been in there. What a joke. This playoff. Can we pump the brakes? <laughs> I don't understand how two weeks ago, the narr- the whole season basically, the narrative was Alabama and Clemson are a league above everybody else. And anybody who goes up against them is going to get steamrolled. And I'm as guilty as anybody for thinking Notre Dame could keep it close. <laughs> but you and the Pope. Yeah. But at the whole season, the narrative is Alabama and Clemson are a league above, and they're going to steamroll anybody who uh, comes into contact with them in the playoffs. And now, all of a sudden. The narrative has flipped, and now Notre Dame got steamrolled by Clemson, just like everyone expected them to. <laughs> so they didn't. Therefore, they didn't deserve to be there. I'm sorry. Hate me all you want, especially you Georgia fans. Come at me, argue with me, but you're going to lose. There's no way a rational person can look at an undefeated Power Five team and say they don't deserve to be there. Uh, I would like to have the floor now. Sure. I'm among those people who don't who believe that Notre Dame and uh, Oklahoma should not have been in the Final Four. Well, you're wrong. I said this on on Selection Sunday. I thought it should have been it should have been Georgia and Ohio State. Okay, Georgia had Ohio State is an interesting one. Georgia had their chance and blew it. I just, if Georgia if Georgia had beaten Alabama. We're having a different conversation. They only they played. Do it. They only, that was their playoff game. Okay, so only, all these Georgia fans that are like, we didn't get a shot at the playoffs. This year was a five-team playoff, and you were the five seed. You just missed out on beating the one. Big Ten always gets screwed. That's and I, I'm completely biased against the Big Twelve. That's sold. Yeah, but when you stack up Notre Dame against Georgia. Head and shoulders, it's Georgia. Every single time, it's Georgia. Notre Dame did not lose. Based, Georgia lost twice. Well, based off, they got, no. They got beat once. They lost again. They lost the game against uh, Alabama. They got beat against LSU. Yeah. That's, that loss. And Notre I, Dame got beat or lost zero times. The, the LSU is 
I can't argue that. That's what that is what it will be. Mm-hmm. But the Alabama game, except for three plays, they were a better team. I agree. But if they were a better team, they should have closed uh, out the game. Yeah, 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 whatever. But, but Georgia's a top th- four team talent-wise in, in the country. They are a top four team talent, or talent-wise from a head coaching standpoint. And they're a top four team yearly in scheduling. I agree. It comes down to whether In you, conference. It comes down to whether you value, whether your ideal playoff is the four best teams or the four most deserving teams. How about entertainment? That's why I think it should be eight teams. Okay, we to, can discuss that another time. College football but is entertainment. We're, for right it's now, on ESPN. It's an entertainment industry. For right now, it comes down to whether you think it should be the four best or the four most deserving. You are a four best guy. I am a four most deserving guy. Well, it all breaks down to what the committee thinks. Mm-hmm. And the committee changes their rationale every fucking year, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. It's um, as Shannon Sharp calls it, the Alabama Invitational. Well, and yeah. the committee will do whatever it takes to give Alabama the best so, possible so, route to well, the title. Not even that, to rationalize an Alabama season. Yep. Oklahoma should not have been in the playoff. Ohio State deserves to be in the playoff. They, they beat a Michigan team. Now that Michigan loss put, looks, or Michigan win looks a little worse now. But I would have put Georgia in before I would have put Ohio State. No, I, w- I wouldn't have. But, I would have went three, although I probably would have put Georgia at three and Ohio State at four, but that's not here nor there. The, I do think, one, it's just basically because I hate the Big 12 and I hate Notre Dame. That's right. just my rationale. And I could, I could talk up Georgia and Ohio State mm-hmm. because of their resume. Right. But and it would be awesome. But to, I can also talk up Notre Dame's resume. I mean, they beat multiple ranked teams. Yeah, but I just I hate Notre Dame, and I don't think that they are. Uh, I don't think that they were deserving. If they it boils down to if they lost to Michigan. If they lost to Michigan, they wouldn't be in the conversation. No, they wouldn't, and we'd be having a whole different right. uh, conversation. But that's uh, that's if they, had, if they hadn't if they hadn't. If they if Notre Dame had lost to Michigan, Ohio State would have been in the playoff. It's it's all hearsay at this point, and it shoulda woulda coulda, just like Big Ben said last night. Yep. It's it shoulda woulda coulda. I can't wait for this um, eight team four team playoff debate that we're gonna. have. It has to be eight teams. It just has. No, I mean I can't wait for our podcast. Well, no, I know, but I'm just it. saying it has to be eight teams. Ending this oh. podcast, ending 2018, and wrapping up week 17. That's so hard. That's so just hard breaking to say but looking at the at going back to the pro game looking at the nfl as a whole mm-hmm. there is always massive turnover as far as playoff teams jaguars didn't make it this year the the steelers didn't make it this mm-hmm. year just to name two teams the colts and ravens lost last year and now they're in this year yep. who is this year who's next year's team that is going to be that team that is in that turnover Who's that's going to jump up into the playoff yes. conversation? Um, Just based off of resume this year, talent-wise, and uh, upside next year. Um, it's hard to pick against the Packers because they're going to. You know, they're going to be better. They're going to have a, a coach that wants to work with Aaron Rodgers. That Aaron Rodgers is going to buy into. They're going to restock and retool. You know, all of those things, obviously, guaranteed. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the 49ers. Hmm. I think Jimmy G coming back is going to be huge. Full year of Jimmy G. Uh, second year of Kyle Shanahan and his program. If anything goes to hell, they have Nick Mullins to come in and save <laughs> the day. Jesus. And listen, they've got good draft picks and not a lot of holes. So they're going to be able to plug up. They could they could end up with you know they could end up with Quinn and Williams on their team. They could end up with Dexter Lawrence on their team. One of those guys we were just talking about. That's a game changing talent right there. They're going to have a high draft pick in the second round where they can add in another offensive weapon for Garoppolo. It's going to be another year of Matt Breida. It's going to be another year of George Kittle. It's going to be another year of all these young pieces. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, who's drafted incredibly well. 
I think it's the 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to go from a bit because they should have been like seven and nine, eight and eight this year if Jimmy G hadn't gotten hurt. I think they're going to take the next logical step next year. They're going to be ten and six, eleven and five. I'm going to stay on the West Coast, and some people might call me crazy for this, but it's from an entertainment standpoint, and I really don't give a shit at this point. I'm going to say the Oakland Raiders. Mm. Say what you want about John Gruden in his first year. He was set up to fail. Yeah. He was put in a position where he didn't coach for 10 years, and then he comes in with a $10 million contract, or 10-year, $100 million contract. He's going to save the Raiders and, and take them to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And he looked around that team and said, everything that this organization has done from the past five years is completely and utterly garbage and wrong. Mm-hmm. And this organization is disastrous. Yep. He had to deal with Derek Carr just because the last regime gave him a sh- terrible contract and he had to weld that relationship. I think Carr is gone. They dealt Mac, even though I don't know why. That's mm-hmm. probably the silver li- that That will be the quintessential what the fuck were you doing moment of John Gruden's coaching career is trading Khalil Mack. Yeah. But he, he had to put his fingerprints on this team somehow and trading Mack was... What he decided to do, mm-hmm. traded away Amari Cooper, which again looks stupid, but at the time I thought the Cowboys were insane for doing it because the way that the Raiders were using Amari Cooper, Cooper didn't look like he was worth a first round pick and he looked like he was washed up and done. Mm-hmm. So give Gruden his team. This will be his team this year. He's got. Four first-round picks. He's got an absolute clean slate to do with it, what he wants with it. And if you're the Raiders, you don't really have a home right now. So why not be this crazy, what the fuck are we going to do with this team <laughs> sort of team and stomp into the playoffs? That kind of story would drive the NFL conversation for months. It totally would. It would be an entire year story if John Gruden, in his second year, with a team that currently does not have a home, goes on a playoff run and tries to win a Super Bowl with a new quarterback and a new identity. And how many years have we, how many uh, different teams have we seen do that? Now, they might not have all won Super Bowls, mm-hmm. but in the second year, it's like, hmm, yeah. There is something to giving a guy a year to acclimate himself to a new situation and and putting his fingerprints all over a team. Mm -hmm. What were we thinking? It's John Gruden. Now, as much as I loved mocking John Gruden, and I still think that his overall tenure will be more gloom than joy, but what do they have to lose? They don't have a fucking place to play right now. They have nothing to lose. Nothing whatsoever. And they have four first-round picks. With a oh yeah, I forgot about it. Well, they have four first-round picks and a deeply dense, talent-loaded defensive draft, mm-hmm. and they are in have they are in massive need of defense. And I mean, throw a ton of money at Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Throw a ton of money at Nick Foles. Trade for Carson Wentz if if he's available. I mean, Nick Foles is probably going to be available. He's already a Super Bowl MVP. Why not? Don't you? I, I think if I remember correctly, John Gruden loved Nick Foles in his uh, QB camp. He loves ev- he jizzed over everybody in that QB camp. But I mean, and in the Monday Night Booth, his job was to to be the fluffer for NFL players. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> this Derek Carr man, he's awesome, man. Like, really? You, you know you, what he reminds me of? He's like the NFL coach slash announcer version of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this right now, brother. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right, but and he probably would be better in the Monday Night Booth than than coaching on the sidelines. But a team with four first round picks that could be an absolute insane story if they get it right. Even though they have technically the hardest strength of schedule when it lines up this year. Mm-hmm. The, the roster turnover will pro- possibly can make that the easiest strength of schedule yeah. next year. Who knows, man? It's the rate. And what what better than having those crazy black hole fans just traveling wherever across the country mm-hmm. to, to support this ragtag bunch? 
I'm going with the Raiders because fuck it, it's week 17 of 2018. Why not? And it's the end of tw- it's the end of 2018. It's, it's the last day of the year. It's T minus five and a half hours until <laughs> the ball drops here in, in New York. And you're probably hearing this after the new year has already started. Eh, maybe not. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year. Maybe not. Maybe you're still listening to this in 2018. But yeah. to everyone who's made the journey through 2018 with us and who will join us in 2019, welcome aboard. Thank you for just rolling along with this crazy train of a podcast. But there are some things in store that I, I want to put in place for 2019. I'm not saying... It's going to be this grandiose thing that's going to, as the Pope said, change the world of podcasting forever. <laughs> but we're going to be better than we were last year. That's nice. that, that's the goal for, nice. for 2019 is better than we were in 2018, continuing growth. And, yeah, I mean, bigger and better things for 2019. That's, that's always the motto here. And to end week 17 so week set the 2018 season is wrapped up put in a bow put in a box and is a late christmas gift for all of you but it's this time of the podcast where we call it the credits and we plug stuff because we're self-centric bastards that love to that have giant egos that love to do that sort of thing so nick what do you got to plug for, for uh, us this week? My name is Nick Parodies, youtube.com slash Nick Parodies, twitter.com at Nick Parodies, instagram.com at Nick Parodies. <laughs> um, all of that stuff. Uh, I have my UCF video, uh, two part video coming out at some point. Again, don't know when. Waiting to see the results of this bowl game tomorrow that Google told me was yesterday. Possibly January? Possibly? January or February, I'll Okay. Say. Most likely. We have a hard date-ish. Hard date-ish. <laughs> um, I have also have on my uh, uh, film review channel and page, I have a list of the best films of the year and a video about the best films of the year that will be coming and the worst films of the year that will be coming out that I saw. Because I did not see everything, but I saw enough to get a good Please idea. Please tell me that you're going to have a worst movies of 2018, 2019 like Buckley has the worst songs of the year. Please see that's, if, a, that's a good idea. Please see if you could actually make that happen. What's your uh, movie review? Uh, it's just my name, Nick Parodies. On? YouTube. Oh, you're not linking your uh, showbox? Oh, I also have, I also have Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Um, if, if anybody of you want to check out that. The link to that is in, on, in my Twitter bio. Um, that's what I was, I was it was a hard reach but I was yeah, reaching so I'm, I'm ready to do that um, unless I'm going to see I'm probably going to see the mule either tomorrow or the next day so highly recommended unless that absolutely blows me out of the water and ascends to the number one spot on I the don't list, think it will but uh, then the best movie of 2018 was The Favorite directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and starring Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz so that's and your... Nicholas Holt um, it's the story of two cousins who fight for the title of the queen's favorite, which basically means her um, top sexual advisor. And uh, in this time period, because Queen Anne was completely ineffective, it means um, that they basically ran the entirety of England. Because why it's, not? It's a dark comedy. It all, it's all true. All of the stuff in this movie happened. And I love it. I'll get in depth into more about it in the video. It's fantastic. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, the worst movie of the year was Father of the Year. <laughs> that was on Netflix. For some reason, I watched that with my sister. It stars David Spade and is produced by Adam Sandler. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's an Adam and Sandler it movie. it is horrendous. <laughs> Just absolutely abysmal those adam sandler netflix movies started off decent and then just got progressively more worse uh cloverfield paradox came really close to being the worst still haven't seen that i don't want to ruin the 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 cloverfield franchise for myself first two cloverfields are let me just say they're the first two cloverfields are great there is a reason that the third one was dumped onto netflix (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, so that uh, so the favorite is your movie recommendation. The favorite of- is my movie recommendation of the of the week. And since I can't remember if I actually recommended that one already, I will also recommend the second best film I saw all year, 
which is actually I won't do that. I will recommend the most recent good film I saw <laughs> this year because I want to keep other stuff a secret. I will recommend the second uh, good film that I saw recently, which is Green Book. I missed this earlier in the year, but I saw it a couple of days ago for $2 at the second run theater in Poughkeepsie where there was no heat in the theater <laughs> and I had to sit through 37 minutes of ads. I counted them. Not previews, by the way. Ads. That's what I thought you like meant. Chevrolet and <laughs> I Budweiser you, and stuff like that. I thought that. you meant previews when nope. you told me about that. Nope. That's crazy. Nope. There were no previews at all. But let me tell you, the movie was worth sitting through all that crap. Vigo Mortensen <laughs> and Marshala Ali deserve Oscar nominations. The movie is great. It's directed by one of the guys who made Dumb and Dumber, actually. Which is very was very interesting to me, um, and it's very funny. It's very uh, heartfelt. It's kind, it's like Die Hard. It's kind of a Christmas movie, and uh, I will definitely be coming back to it for many Christmases to come. I absolutely really liked it and uh, loved it and enjoyed it, and I, I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to catch it for two dollars in a discount theater with no heat, <laughs> or next year at Christmas time. Just just a, a great and great soundtrack because you know me, I like me some jazz music every <laughs> once in a while. There were some really, really great songs from like the 60s and late 50s on this this song uh, soundtrack. Sam Cooke and the Clovers and uh, Little Richard and all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah, those are my recommendations this week. To end the year, I'll just do a third party movie recommendation from the cuz which is spider-man into the spider-verse haven't seen that yet really want to he saw that two nights ago and he absolutely loves that movie and everything that i've heard from everyone that has seen that movie they said it's incredible yep that it's the best one of the franchise it's one of those movies where i haven't heard a single person say eh, it wasn't for me yeah like, even the people that even the people that don't love it are like, yeah, it was really, I had a lot of fun. I would watch it again. The only reason why I want to see it, and it's been the selling points since I've seen the preview, is is John Mulaney is a fucking pig Spider-Man. Yep. So that's gold. John, John Mulaney is in it. Um, Nicolas Cage. For some reason. Is playing the... Um, the, the villain. The, is is he the, the villain? Or I, I think th he's just another version of Spider-Man. I, I don't know. But um, He's in yep. it for some odd reason. So, Haley Steinfeld, who was my first ever celebrity crush when I was 14 years old, um, is in the movie. So I'm not making that up. She was my first celebrity crush. All right, so hit me up, Haley. <laughs> so yeah, to end 2018, a third part, a third party uh, movie recommendation from the Cuz, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and over on this side. Now that we've approached over an hour. On this side, it's uh, the basement view. I have a Hall of Fame ballot. And my 2018 Hall of Fame, or 2019 Hall of Fame uh, Major League Baseball ballot is out. It is short for all of you new baseball fans that want to complain about that. Go ahead. You're not going to change my mind. They're my four. They will be my four. And it's, it's tough. It really is tough this time uh now with all the guys that we have on the ballot because it's it's a couple of guys before i started watching baseball and i have to rely on my parents mm -hmm. to say was this guy really that good and then it's the whole new wave of guys that i grew up watching and it's it's tough to really put in perspective how great they are um yeah. i think that you're gonna really like my honorable mentions Two of my honorable mentions I, from last year I actually have on the ballot this year for me. Um, and if there's one, I won't, this is not a spoiler. If Edgar Martinez doesn't get in in his final year of the ballot, all the baseball writers should just rip their ballots up, be, <laughs> be revoked of their votes, and the entire BBVA be just redone. Because that's utterly ridiculous. But that's nor here nor there. And to the one Boston fan that won't vote for Mariano Rivera, fuck you. That's where we're going to end this podcast. <laughs> that is the Listen, no Red Sox fans, come on. Don't be that petty. I, diehard Red Sox fan, I would vote for Mo first ballot. You got to be honest when sometimes. That's the, that's going to be the, that'll be the 
passive aggressive end to 2018 and <laughs> and i'm not saying i'm leaving passive aggressiveness into 2018 but that's where we're going to leave the final episode of the grind hours podcast for 2018 again happy new year if you're listening to this on new year's eve please be safe if you're in an area where uber and lyft are available take that option if you're if you're overserved tonight please don't get behind the wheel and cause tragedy for you or someone else that this is the worst year or worst day of the year to drive other than um after the super bowl or fourth of july or halloween or but no there's going to be a ton of drunk people around tonight and and just be safe if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve. And again, lastly, one more time, Happy New Year uh, for to real everyone quick, involved uh, that celebrates. <laughs> breaking, uh, breaking news: the um, the Red Box Bowl ended exactly the way you would expect a game called the Red Box Bowl to end. It was a seven to six victory for the Oregon Ducks over Michigan State. Long live the Cheez It Bowl and long live the Red the Red Box Bowl and long live the San Diego County Credit Union Bowl. <laughs> but it's been the same since we've implemented this saying. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. See you in twenty nineteen. Adios.